0: Genesis, we're of course going through this gorgeous story of Joseph, and we pick it up in chapter 45, verse 24, that's what, the last verse we were in last week, so you we, we get that please. And today we're going to go through a handful of verses, by the way, at least it's my prayer to do so. But our primary text, verse 24 says this. He sent his brothers away, and they departed. And he said to them, See that you do not become troubled on the way. So they went out, <clears throat> They went up out of Egypt, and came to the land of Canaan to Jacob their father. And they told him, saying, Joseph is still alive, and he's governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart stood still, because he did not believe them. But when he told them all the words in which Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts that which Joseph had sent to carry him, and the spirit of Joseph, then, I'm sorry, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. And then Israel said, Is it enough? It is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. So Israel took his journey with all that he had, came to Beersheba, and offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Yiscach. Then God spoke to Israel in the visions of the night, and he said, Yaakov, Yakov. He said, Here I am. He said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make of you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will surely bring you up again. And Joseph will put his hand on your eyes. And then Jacob arose from Gershah, and the sons of Israel carried their father, Yaakov, their little ones, their wives, the which Pharaoh had sent So they took their livestock and their goods in which they had acquired in the land of Canaan and went to Egypt. He and all his descendants with him. His sons, his sons' sons, his daughters, his sons' daughters, and all his descendants he brought with him to Egypt. Will you pray with me, please? God, I just pray right now that your word would burst open and come alive before each of us. More real, more vibrant, more alive, more meaningful than ever before. I pray we would have fun in this room, that there would be joy and there would be laughter and there would be intrigue and our hearts would be drawn in and that you would pierce them and penetrate them with the truth of your word. God, that everything you wish to say to us, individually as as people, but also corporately as a family, that you would do all of that right now. I pray that you would immerse me in your spirit, that I would disappear and God, that you would fill me to overflowing that you would be doing the ministry not me, that I would simply be a jersey you choose to put on. And God, on this beautiful day, As we prepare to celebrate Jubilee and and how you've shown us Jubilee, Lord, in the book of Leviticus, where all debts would be canceled and Jesus, thank you for being our Jubilee. I pray now, God, that you would do your work in this time. Lord, minister to us. Profoundly address each of us because we need it. And Lord, don't leave us alone. But please minister. Please perform the therapy of our day that each of us could say, I encountered Jesus today. And what a wonderful thing. Lord, redeem every second. May it go not idly by, but perfectly by, we pray. Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. I would say today, I said, any please don't just believe me. Don't just assume it's true because I say so. Search the scriptures. Let the Bible always have the final say. By the way, one of you jump up and, oh, the lights are on. Never mind. There you go. Thanks for turning them on. It's just, that's as bright as it's going to get. Jesus is going to have to bring the rest of the light in. For what it's worth, there are within 10 of these verses, there are 11 times mentioned the names Jacob and Israel. And I find that a bit profound since it's the same individual. And God has this beautiful habit throughout Scripture of taking individuals who were born in a certain state and saying, You're no longer going to be this person. This is who I have for you. But it doesn't seem like God then just sort of hits a switch, and then the next thing you know, you're just perfectly the person that God ordained. There's this process in between. And that process is one, well, to be honest, it's a little uncomfortable. If you will, it's sort of like spiritual puberty. Somewhere down the line, your voice starts crying like this, and everything starts changing, and and you just think you don't like it because you don't know who you are anymore. And you knew who you were as a kid to some degree, or it really didn't matter. But somewhere down the line now, God's making you a man or a woman, and strengthening you in that, and it's a radically different person than you were before. Of the Scriptures, there are two people who become the most profound examples of that, and one is this character here. The other, I'd say, is Simon, who will be called Peter. And we often use that expression, Simon, Simon, Peter, Peter. In other words, with an individual, maybe you gave your life to Christ, and now you're frustrated because you're like, I should be perfect by now. Right? I haven't been a Christian six months. Isn't that enough time to not sin anymore? Why are we still dealing with this? Because there's that time as God continues to remove more and more and more of who you were and continue to add more and more of who you are to become. And the beautiful part about it is if God just hit a switch. He might as well kill you. Because at that point, the only thing you'll be able to tell is how God did stuff back when. Instead of well, what he's doing right now, he had promised the same thing, by the way, to the nation as well when they were to take the land,
1: because he promised them that you would not
0: give them all the land at once, but parcel by parcel, as they continued to walk, and as they continued to walk, they continue to become more fruitful. And as they continue to become more fruitful, he continued to give them more land, and then the same thing will be happening with every one of you. Now it starts, of course, with receiving that gift of Jesus Christ. Before that point, by the way, you are a sinner. Lost and guilty. And that sounds, well, does that sound cruel or mean? No, actually, faithful are the wounds of a friend. And then I just want to tell you the good news is is that every person's in the same boat. And whether you were born in the boroughs of somewhere near, you know, Tower Hamlets, or whether you were somebody raised in the nicest parts of, of, of Chelsea. Be it one way or the other, whether you could quote scripture from birth and you burped a hymn, or whether you were the kind of person that you still cuss in your prayers, the bottom line is that every person, the, the playing field's very level. Nobody's got the advantage because every single person is guilty. And in that guilt, they stand guilty before God, but in His perfect love for you, we sent Jesus to die on the cross so that that person can be, hear me, can be slain, can, de- can be dead. And the more that we come to Christ thinking we're 95% okay, the more we'll fight him when he starts to kill that 95%. Because in the end of it all, if you could see what God has planned for every one of us, we would actually really need to admit to the process he's giving, or at least fight him less for it. Well, that's what we have with this beautiful creature named Jacob, or Israel. And boy, this is such a beautiful place where we see that. But I'm going to have you walk through some scripture with me as we get a little bit of background on this stuff, as we work ourselves into this text. let so look back for a moment to chapter 25. And this is one of those places where, it, you know, I don't want to pick on those of you who are new to fangled technological people. But a Bible does come in handy at these moments because it's easier to find to turn in a page than it is to scroll in your app. But just the same in Genesis 25, 26, there is the birth, and it tells us that there were two boys, they were born twins, two boys fighting in the womb, by the way, the promise had been that the two of them are going to be very opposite of each other, but the younger will be served by the older, there will be prominence of the older, of the younger. And it says afterwards, this boy came out, this is twenty-five, twenty-six, and it says, and he took hold of Esau's heel, and so his name was called Yaakov, would you say Yaakov? Yeah. And Yakov means to catch a heel, to hold a heel. Iskov is the dad. By the way, dad's name is Iskov, which means laughter. And it says he was 60 years old, so dad was actually collecting a pension while his son was born. That's the idea here. And it says here that they named him. Now, the first kid came out hairy and red, so they named him Harry. That's a perfect name for it. And you kind of get the idea that they weren't super creative with their names a the lot of time. Kid came out kind of looking like Bigfoot, and they named him Harry. There you go. The second kid, but as he's coming out, you see this hand on the heel, and they look and go, Oh, what's that? The kid's born with a hand on his heel. Oh, wait a minute. There's the second kid. Here he is. We're going to call him Heel Catcher. Now, please understand to be the oldest has benefits. To be the oldest, you get an extra measure of the inheritance because you also have the extra responsibility of being the leader of the house. You are second command, you are the vice president. If the the oldest were to die, if dad were to die, you're the man in charge. So this is a big deal. So the idea of grabbing a hold of someone's heel is kind of simple. The the, the sort of inference is that this one who's still in the womb wants to pull his brother back in so he can come. Oh, no, you don't. I'm coming out first. And that's sort of the idea here. So they call him heel catcher. Now, there's not an awful lot of those kind of references for us. Now, as a surfer, perhaps some of you are aware of the fact we might use the term leash naker. Now, the idea is, well, you know, surfboards, once you get hit by a wave, you really don't want your surfboard that far away from you, because it's a long swim, and sometimes it's a really bad thing. So they put a little leash on on your heel, and then that's attached to your board. Well, when a wave starts to come, there's usually a handful of guys all paddling for the same wave. The question is, well, who gets the wave? What's well, the one usually that's in the best position. But as that person's sort of in position, what will happen is if you're kind of sneaky and rotten and nasty about it, you'll grab that other guy's leash because that sort of thing was behind, pull him back, and then get into the way. Now, what you've done is you've cheated him from that wave, though he rightly got it. So you kind of get the idea. There certain things like that, the idea of sort of the foul that happens when you're playing your sport to get yourself in position. And, and certainly playing a handful of sports myself, I know what it's like to bear the bruises and marks from a you know, a, a rogue elbow that was intended and so forth to get somebody where they wanted. Well, that's the idea of Yahoo And might I just say, in regards to that, and I challenge you, because we don't want just information, we want this to apply to us. I'm going to dare use a quote that's been used fairly commonly lately, and that is that Jacob was born this way. And whether you like it or not, you're born this way. Whether we like it or no, no, How that manifests might be different in you than me. But we were all born in one way or another. Well, why don't you say it? You're born defective. Be warned (laughs) and filled. The good news is the message isn't (laughs) over. (laughs) (laughs) Now for some of us, if we're all born sinners, let me just say it sort of like this. Do you remember being a teen? Some of you are like, yeah, that was yesterday. That's today. But do you remember what it was like when you could feel that pressure in your face and you just knew there's going to be a sin. You don't know where it was going to be. You just could feel the pressure. And the reason I say that is there's that point where you realize somewhere down the line it's going to surface. Well, for each one of us, the sin was a zit inside waiting to surface, and you were going to give it some form of opportunity. Now, that opportunity might be that you were a drunkard. That opportunity might be that you were a liar, or a cheat, or a thief, or a whatever it was. Mine, by the way, mostly was violence. Now, in all of that, by God's grace... We could be, instead of looking at all of the symptoms and treating the symptoms, here's some cough medicine while you die of pneumonia. On the other side of it, we could actually go to the cause. And as a Christian, we are the only ones who have the right to treat the cause because the cause is universal. And so we could look and say, but I was born this way. And I'd say, well, you probably were. Well, I was born this way. If you want to exercise your right to be who you were at born, I should have the right to beat you up. Because that's who I was at birth. That's how it's manifested in my life. But God had a plan for Jacob not to end Jacob. And he has a plan for you not to end who you are either. And the good news is, God's not intimidated by your Jacobness. He loves you too much not to take you as Jacob, but he loves you way too much to leave you that way. Well, what we find out with this particular guy is he really lives up to his name. As a matter of fact, he's just a conniver. And we'll find that there are three primary people in Jacob's life. And the first primary person, to be honest, seems to be mom. We read that the brother was a skillful hunter. And by the way, if you want, take a look at 25, 27. You don't have to go far to find that. We read that your big brother, Harry was a skillful hunter. Which, by the way, makes a lot of sense. The guy kind of looks like a wild animal, hangs out somewhere in the forest, and the animal doesn't see a comet. He just thinks it's one of them. Go, big, ah! Right? And all of a sudden, ah! Jumps the you're like, why did you see a comet? I thought he was one of us. Now, Jacob, on the other hand, you notice it says, Jacob was a man of the tents. man of the tents? Well, what do you think that means? Well, it appears to be what that is. We, we, we wouldn't use that term today. It isn't like he was a camper. What we read, by the way, is he was kind of a man of the kitchen. That's what we read. I mean, he could bake a decent souffle. There's nothing wrong with a man you could bake. But you can kind of get the idea when you're comparing the two of them, why it seems that Dad really seems to prefer the oldest. It tells us he prefers the oldest or loves the oldest more because, well, yeah, to be honest, because Dad loves a good barbecue, and the bottom line is, he's like, "Yeah, thanks for the, you know, for the creme brulee, son, but this boy's bringing the sheesh," <laughs> and there's a difference there. And that's what we really kind of get Dad's kind of living in a situation where one, he really likes is, uh, I care. Yeah. I killed another animal, you know, and we'll grill it, son. Let's have some fun. And, and and what we find is that Jacob, though, is always going to be in this place where the, what he has in his sort of. Well, in his docket of, of, of things that propel him is his ability to connive. He seems to be a pretty brave guy. And the way that he uses it is he's a schemer. Now, listen, every one of us have things, like it or not, that will be points of leverage for you. Some of you, it will be your looks. Some of it will be your social skills. Some of it will be your intellect. Some of you, it will be your talent. Some of you, it's your ability, to be honest, to code something or to fix someone's computer. It's amazing how that, well, today that comes in real handy. But whatever it is, there is something. Some of you, it's just your fashion sense. Whatever it is, there are going to be things that when you flex it, it propels you. The danger in each of these things that are sort of talents that God gives is if you use them unconsecrated, they will be to your destruction. Now, Jacob seems to be a smart guy, and he knows how to sort of pull off a ruse. And so his brother comes in. By the way, one of those moments where apparently all of the animals had gotten the memo that this really wasn't just one of the animals, and they all fled, and he didn't come back with anything. Esau comes back. He's starving. He seems to have no real interest in the things of God. And with that, then, Jacob has been making stew. And as he's making lentil stew, a little bit of bean soup, you know, and that brother comes in, he's like, oh, I'm starving to death. And he's like, I'll tell you what, I really want that birthright. You really want some stew. What do you think? And, and it just give you an idea, because we don't want to just sort of, if you'll pardon me for saying, we don't want to just paint Jacob as a pansy and this other guy as like Arnold Schwarzenegger, because even he's a little bit of a drama queen, because he kind of goes, what difference does it make if I die? And this is the brother, right? This is Harry. And so all of a sudden, you know, what we see is Bigfoot surrenders his, his, you know, his birthright, which birthright, by the way, means then that, that at least as far as the brother is concerned, Jacob has the right to bury his dad. Which, by the way, we're going to actually see this part of it, but also that he has the right to get that extra inheritance, or at least he would think so. But in this, he's sort of gotten this responsibility, and he's the one, by the way, now that has the right to lead the family if dad were to pass away. Now, ultimately, Jacob's going to play that roost, and then he's going to play a roost with mom's help. But the idea of sort of dressing up like his brother, his dad is roughly somewhere over 100 years old, and he's got to dress like his brother because his dad still wants to perform that blessing on his brother. We don't read, by the way, that dad ever got the memo about this deal that the brothers have made. So we don't know whether, because there are all kinds of people that want to say that the dad is acting in disobedience or whatever, we really don't have in scripture whether he knows. Now, maybe he does, if so, he's acting in disobedience the promise had been given to the wife, we don't mean that he got that either. All we know in this is that he wants to bless the boy he pre and that seems to make sense to me. But in all of that, mom says, you know, he sends his brother out to go kill something and grill it, kill it and grill it, and bring it to dad, I'll do it for you, go in there pretend you be your brother. And Jacob's response, by the way, is sort of really kind of, well, it shows a little bit about the guy, and that's in chapter 27, flip there for a moment, 27, 12, does he say, Mom, my brother's so different from me. And it says, perhaps my father will feel me, because the brother's really hairy, and I'm kind of a smooth fellow. And it says, and I shall seem to be a deceiver. Now, now, I think that's such a strange comment to make, because, well, you are a deceiver at that moment. You know, it's like, he it doesn't say, it I'll be found out to be a deceiver. It's like, well, dad will think I'm lying to him. To him and he feels that I'm not his You know, so what do I do? How do I help with the, how do I help deceive him so he doesn't think I'm a deceiver? That's kind of the idea. Well, mom says, well, we'll take care of that. Let's take a goat, and we're gonna kill it, and we're gonna take the hair, and that tells you how hairy brother is. Because I mean this boy, this boy's just putting on goat fur, and dad's gonna feel him and go, yeah, that's my son. And I think, oh, that's a hairy guy. But then he's like, but mom, dad can't see, but he can feel it.' He can't she goes, well, uh, I haven't thrown this in the laundry yet, so why don't you put on your brother's stinky, you know, and I don't even know how they fit each other or not, or whether this thing's just going kind to of flap in the wind or what, but he kind of comes in now, and Dad's like, Dad's blind, and he's like, you know, hey, wow, you're sure you're quick, and Dad's like, and Jacob's like, yeah, 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 yes, yeah. Dad, yes, here I am with the food. And he's like, wow, oh, you kind of sound like Jacob, come here for a second, because he, how fast would your heart be? Come here. Oh, you smell like the open field. You smell like Esau. Now what does an open field smell like? Yeah, have you ever been in an open field? Like that? <laughs> I mean, it smells like animals, smells like poop, smells like I mean, tell, He does isn't like he says, you smell like a summer's breeze, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know it's like you smell like a field <laughs> of <laughs> lavender, you know, that beautiful English lavender. You could, I have a feeling Esau I didn't like it. He, he smells like dirt, sweat, and poop. You know, it's like, yeah, you're my son Esau, right? And I think, wow, that's not a clone to, to market. And then he's like, well, come here, come here a little closer. And he feels behind his neck. And, like, you know, he's, you go, wow, know, oh, good thing you put that there. And he feels, he's like, whoa, Harry, like, wow. Well, you still sound like my older son, but you sound like my younger son, but you're, oh, okay, I'll bless you. And at that point, just as he's on his way out, in comes the big brother hear me out of him. he's like, what? Wait a minute, wait, what's going on? I don't get it. And of course, older brother hits the roof. And Jacob now has to flee for his life. And the first season of his life is over. Jacob's going to have to leave. Mom says, we need to get you out of here because your brother comforts himself with the idea of killing you. Now, I don't know about you, but that's one of the scariest thoughts in my life. Brother, by the way, might I remind you, isn't just good at video games. Brother's a hunter. That's what he does. He kills stuff for fun, and he now actually has a dartboard, and he's throwing javelins at it, and your picture's on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it makes him feel good. <laughs> he goes, like, yeah, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might want to go. <laughs> I think, yeah, good advice, Mom. And Mom says, look, like just go off to Rao, which is in si- you know, and, and as you go up there, let's just tell Dad you need to find yourself a girl because you don't want to marry any of these girls here. because that up, I'm Jewish. So go on up there. and you just, You're going to find yourself a girl. But what you're really doing is saying, like and I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll send it for you. And when I send it for you, you can come back. Up again, because that'll be the last of the season of life. So when Mom's roots, she loses her son. And he will go up there for 20 years and that'll be the second season of this Jacob life. By the way, no material all Jacob, all Jacob, all Jacob. <coughs> that seems to make sense, hopefully, doesn't it? By the way, every one of you, me included, we're all going to have our Jacob season. That's just 100% pure, undiluted Jacob. You look back and say, well, I was kind of nice at that moment, but if we were really honest, we're like, I was really nice to that person, but I had a vested interest. Well, I seem like I was so benevolent here, but I was seeking my life as I was doing it. There was just never a completely selfless path done in our Jacob season, even when it looked like we were honest. Well, the good news is God has a way of showing Jacob what Jacob could look like, undiluted. and he meets this match with Mom's brother Laban, which, by the way, if you're worth, if you like it, it's worth. His name is Whitey. That's what the name is. So I'm going to send you up to Uncle Whitey. So up he goes to Uncle Whitey. Don't get any kind of weird racist ideas about that. And so <laughs> up he goes to that. And as he heads up there, interesting, it's the first time that he seems to have a radical encounter with the Lord himself. Flip for a moment to Genesis 28. In Genesis 28, verse 12, Jacob is in route, and he dreamt: and Behold, a ladder was set up on earth, its top reached to heaven, where angels of God are ascending and descending on it. Which, by the way, today we might say this looked an awful lot like an escalator. Behold, the Lord stood above it, and he said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of his father. That's his dad. So it's grandpa, the God of grandpa, and the God of dad. The land in which you lie, I will (coughs) give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad, to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south, and you and your senior families, you shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you. I will keep you, no, no, don't miss this. I'll keep you wherever you go, and I'll bring you back to this land. I won't leave you until I don't So in the simplest sense, God says, remember that God your dad was talking about? Remember that God Grandpa talked about? That's why. I'm the God of miracles. I'm the God that can bring back the dead of everything. I'm the God of the impossible. And by the way, Jacob, I know who you are. And I don't want you to know I am personally involved in your life. Now at this point, could you think Jacob has done anything to deserve this encounter, this is all great. And it isn't even like God kind of looked and said, you know, I see a lot of potential in you, boy. We don't read any of that. All we read is God in His infinite grace just took a look at this guy and said, I've got a beautiful plan for your life. And here it is. I'm going to get you to where you're going and I'm going to bring you back. By the way, it's very similar to the promise we're going to read even in our text today. Now with that, we 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 don't read the name change. All of this happens, listen, listen, listen. All of this happens while still Jacob. And the, the cool thing is maybe if you really take a look at your life, you're going to find times, to be honest, when you look and you're you know what? God did meet me before all of that. And even in meeting me before all of that, I didn't change, I didn't turn, but, but he planted this seed, and the seed is, look at, I'm going to do that. And you know what Jacob does? And I love this. Look at 2820. What Jacob does is what Jacob does, which is he went to the bargaining table. Jacob knows how to connive, he knows how to put together a plot, so guess what Jacob did? He does that with God, and he says, so here's the deal, I'm going to make a vow with you, if God be with me, and keep me in the way that I'm going, and give me bread and clothing to put on, and he get me back to where he was, in other words, if he does what he says, then he can be my God. And you can see God going, wow, now there's a prize to God. <laughs> What I've got is a guy who's ripping off everyone, making deals, and conniving. I said, am I might be the only one in the room that's a conniver? No, that's not true. Well, I know that Ruth is. You, you just look at that guy and you realize where that came from. But, but uh, the reason I say that is, the problem with a person who's bright enough to put together a plan is, we do it even when God has something better. Because and here's the strangest part, is we think we're doing God a favor. God, I've looked at this problem. I don't want to bother you because I know you're busy running the world and the universe and all that. So here's the problem, and I surmise all my options and all that because I thought it would be better if you didn't have to think this through. And here is A, B, and C. Pick one. And God's like, I pick D. And you're like, D? I didn't give you a D. And God's like, I know. <laughs> and you're like, I don't want like comfortable with that. And God says, yeah, I know that too. <laughs> and I want this to be an issue of a walk by faith. And you're like, but Lord... And God's like, look at Jacob, Jacob... You're going to have to let go of this for a second. You're going to have to let go. Well, at this point, he's dealing with God. So, here's the deal. If you're willing to do all of that that you said, can I add a little bit in there? Can I make sure I've got some clothing? A little bit of food? Because you said you'd get me there and you'd bring me back. But can we make sure I'm fed and clothed while all this happens? (laughs) So, if you you keep me in this country, and you keep me fed, and you pay that darn council tax and all those other things, and my bills, and all the other things, gosh, God, and please, if you could just get me to place from A to B with all of the prices, and you keep my oyster card from being, you know, erupting and saying, you owe me, or whatever. Okay, God, if you do all that, then I'll serve you. And God's like, really? I have to do all that first? Okay. Well, and this is just the way it works. Because this is the way, listen, 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 this is the way Jacob works. When Jacob works, the way that Jacob works is, God, if you do all this, well, 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 then I I, I guess you can. Which, by the way, since we're all, listen, please, because we're all born Jacobs, if God is going to get to us, he's going to have to make the first move. Did you get that? Because we're born Jacobs, God's going to have to meet Jacob and Jacob. He can't say, well, here's where Isaac would meet me, because Jacob would never become Isaac unless God made him Isaac. I'm sorry, Isaac. He will never become Israel, sorry, unless God made him Israel. And here's the thing, this is what separates, and we've said it before, this is what separates Christianity from everything else. Everything else demands for you to become Isaac, and then God will see whether it's enough. Isaac, did I say it again? have I confused you as much? as In every other religion, it's as if what's demanded of you is you become Israel. And then the God or form or system or justice or whatever decides whether you're Israel enough in the Bible is a God that meets Jacob at Jacob and says, you will never get there. You'll never become Israel unless I do. And so here we are busy trying to do it ourselves and trying to be good enough, but in the middle of trying to be good enough, I do something else bad, and I do more. And you know what that's like. You know, that's like a guy that's that's 17 years old, but he's got a credit card. And all of a sudden, that credit card owes 10 grand. Right? And he's like, I'll make a I'm using a guy so that it doesn't seem like I'm picking on a gender. And so all of a sudden. <laughs> a, <laughs> just hypothetically. Like and all of a sudden, he, he didn't know I got paid. And I got paid 600 pounds. 400 of those pounds are going to pay off my credit card. So I paid late on 400 pounds. Ooh, but this is on sale. So I'll pay that on my credit card. And I forget about the fact that, that that's going to end up on that bill too, right? And oh, that thing's kind of nice too. Ooh, that'll look good. And all of a sudden, the next thing I know, I just spent another 200 pounds on my credit card, but I paid 400, so I'm feeling pretty good. But by the time, that was today. By tomorrow, I'm not paying anything else, but I'm buying more. And all of a sudden, I owe more than I did, and I'm like, but come on, I paid some of my bill, and that's what happens when we try to make our good up our bad. It's somewhere down the line where, like, but I did all this bad already, so I'm kind of in debt. So I'm going to pay a little with a good act. Oh, but then I did something bad and I charge some more. And by the time you're at the end of it all, you're like, God, just can I claim bankruptcy? And the good news is, is that that's what God does. Is He goes, look, you are bankrupt, but my Son paid the price on the cross because you were such a precious jewel, such a precious pearl, that He gave up everything just to purchase you. You see, all that you think you're doing with your good and your bad works couldn't possibly compare to the fact. That you're the most precious thing in all of eternity because you are so precious that only one person in all of eternity, only one person in all of eternity could afford you. And it cost them everything. That's how precious you are. Have you thought that? You, not just mankind, you. And if that's the case, exactly what are you going to do to make it any better? Well, with that in mind, we better get there. So he's making deals with deity He spends 20 years, by the way, with a guy that connives the conniver, changes his his wages ten times, dumps his older daughter on him when he wants the younger one, and, and it just don't. And by the time he's done, by the way, listen, 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 all 13 children, 12 boys and one girl, are born to Jacob, not Israel. Have you thought that? Because the older ones are going to have a lot more history with Jacob than Israel. Do you get that? All of his wives. That should tell you something. Wives are born, are just born, are married to Jacob. That's what they said, I do to Jacob. That's what, you know, some of you, you got married, you weren't saved. And Jacob married Jacob Bess. <laughs> <laughs> And and the good news is, if Jesus is willing to forgive and let it go, you better too. Well, with that in mind, now it's time to get out. It's been 20 years. No letter from Mom to say, come back home, honey. Well, now she's dead. He's not going to get that letter. So at that moment, now he's got to leave. And as he leaves, he starts to head back. Now, he flees from Uncle David. From Uncle Whitey. (laughs) And as he's fleeing... He's in hot pursuit. A rough resolution between the two of them, which basically is this. Here's our resolution. Ready to see this line? Don't go past it on this. side. I won't go past it on that. There's the resolution. We're going to call it Mythba. <laughs> so that's what we have behind us. And just then he's also finding out that that brother that wanted to hunt and kill him 20 years ago has come with an army of men. This is not a good moment. And I realize this has got to be the most fearful moment since Jacob left the house. It's interesting, because the last time that Jacob was in that moment of great fear, that's where God And now Jacob's in another moment of great fear. It's here that God meets him. In a most unsuspected way, he spends all night wrestling. And as he spends all night wrestling, Jacob finds himself finally exhausted. He's wrestling with an angel. You can argue who that is all you want. But in the end of it all, the angel just touches his hip and down he goes. Could he could have done that at the beginning of it. And you know, and and I get that. And I think that's just so interesting that here's Jacob wrestling an angel and at any given moment, this angel has the ability to completely dislocate every bone in his body. And he doesn't. Hear me on that. He doesn't. Why didn't he? Because he wanted Jacob to give up. On his own. Jacob will spend the rest of his life limping. The rest of his life being able to tell you with every step he takes about that moment. It'll be testimony. Jacob will never run again. Jacob will always be. Why are you walking like that? I didn't give up when I was supposed (laughs) to. And if you gotta live like that, maybe it's not in your maybe it's not in your swag, (laughs) but it's in your personality somewhere. It's in your past. It's in your documents. If only I had given up when I was supposed to. No, not to the world, to the Lord. Finally, down he goes. He grabs a hold of the ankle and says, bless Which by the way is the, the counter today of slapping the mat three times in competitive fighting, which is you've got me in a hole that really hurts. I am helpless. And the way that it ends is look at one of two things is going to happen. Either you're going to kill me or bless me. That's the way these matches end. He says, I'm not letting you go unless you bless me. I'm asking for mercy. And at that point, the angel says, So, what's your name, boy? Rip Yeah. Good. Well, let's not call you that anymore. Let's call you Sarai, which is grandma's name. Sarai. What? Sarai. No. Sarai means. So, but she got changed from that to Sarah, which means princess. I so said, "I know." It's like, look, if you struggle with God, but you won. You know how you won? You spent all night trying to win physically, trying to connive, and that's one thing. And I love the fact that it wasn't a fist fight; it was a wrestling match. Because the difference is, is that a wrestling? To be honest, wrestling is a lot more strategic than a fist fight. A fist fight's find a soft spot, hit it win. Now, wrestling, on the other hand, you're always kind of in the middle of something, and you have to figure out how to figure out how to get your way out of that thing, and that's an awful lot like Jacob's life, like a lot of our lives. I remember what it was like in college before I went university, before I gave my life to Christ. I would play chess, and, and, and I would I just move, inadvertently, five or six moves, maybe ten moves on my own, and then I'd f- survive the situation and try to figure out how, you know, how to get myself out of it and win, and that was pretty much how I lived my life. It was such a perfect paradigm. And I, and I realized that that's kind of what Jacob's been doing here. And finally, I like, look, at the victory is in, please hear me, the victory is in the surrender. The moment when you're like, you know, you, you have the right to kill me, but I'm asking for your blessing out of mercy, anyways. And this moment he goes, no. Now that's what I'm for. That's where the victory is, is now. I'm calling it victorious. But now begins the beginning of Israel. But he's still a full grown Jacob. Beloved, and listen. The problem is when you're an infant Israel and an infant Israel says, how do I unless you go to the scripture, as Peter says, as newborn babes in Christ desire the pure milk of the word that you go thereby? If you do not ask the word for something, Jacob will answer. How do I do this now? How do I date? What's, well, what's success now? How, what, what should my friends look like what should my priorities be and if I'm not going to go to the word for it by the way it's one of the things that church should be a place where we really kind of detox from Jacob does that make sense mm-hmm. but in that instead sometimes we could put ourselves together and we'll get more Jacob out of it and that's wrong because listen we all have Jacob the so we can default to sin and just talk about how Jacob we are and who's a better Jacob though that verse for what it's worth chapter 32 28 so you can check me on that that's where it says "For you've struggled with God and with them and prevailed but on your way go pass it for a moment now to chapter 33 verse 20 one of the first acts I see Israel do and I think this is key as it says in chapter 33, verse 20, that he, that's Israel, erected an altar, and he called it El Eloche Israel. Would you say El? El El-Eloche El-Eloche Israel. 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 El means God. Eloche is God of, or the God, and then Israel. Now remember, God called him Israel. Now imagine, this is what he called it. So all of a sudden, God meets Bruno, and he says, Bruno, we're no longer going to call you Bruno. We're going to call you Claude. And you go, Claude? Really, God? That's what you gave him, it was Claude. But then all of a sudden, he builds an altar, and he calls it God, the God of Claude. You get it? And you get the idea here that this thing, one of the things that's radically different about, hear me on this, about Israel, is Israel has a God. Jacob, his boss was Jacob. Jacob's a survivor. Jacob's a conniver. Jacob's a conniver. But, You <laughs> didn't expect that to do anyway. And then after that, Jacob's nurse dies. Jacob's nurse. Right? Jacob's nurse? Because it seems like mom had an assistant that helped raise the boy. And around her, he's still the boy. And now listen, please hear me, please hear me. Part of what it's going to take for of us to become the Israel God intended is that the things that were nurturing the old you are going to have to die. Sometimes that's going to be relationships. Sometimes that's going to be situations. And we'll fight God for it. I guarantee you this was a sentimental thing. But here's the profound thing in it, friends, that at this point when this nursemaid dies, and go there just to see chapter 35, verse 8. It says... Deborah, Rebecca's nurse died, and she was buried below Bethel under the Terebid's tree, so the name of the place was called Alameda. And then it says, then God appeared to Jacob again. Notice he appeared to Jacob. He didn't appear to Israel. No, this is God making this statement. And why is that? Because this guy is now back to Jacob at this moment. And what happens is when we say yes to the Lord, there are moments we still choose to be who we were, and there are moments we choose to be the new guy. And at this moment, this is one of those things that sends you back. Do you know what it's like to have something that sends you back? It's an old homie that shows up, that you know, now we we hung out, I was a good Jacob around you, I was an accomplished Jacob around you, and what happened is, all of a sudden this happens, and it's a tragedy, and the tragedy says, fine, all right, if this is the way it's going to be, I can be who I used to be. And we watch this happen again and again and again. Because one of the problems is, we've built the false when hard times come. The default is let's go get drunk. The default is let's go get in a fight. Let's go fight a girl. Whatever it is, because this is what we know pornography. It's been a rough day. I deserve it. You do? But I mean, all you're doing is saying to yourself, I've a right to be the Jacob that was slain. Let's pick up that dead body and put it back on. She's dying. Would this not be a better moment than need to go and cry into the arms of a God who's the God of all comfort? See, God says, I'm using this death to make you a better person. Versus, God, how could you remove this person from my life? But notice, you know what God says? The Lord appeared to Jacob again when he came out of the dungeon, And he blessed him, and God said, your name is Jacob. You will not be called Jacob anymore. Israel. And you go, but didn't God already say this? Does God ever have to remind you or suggest me? It's at those moments, God looks and says, hey, bro, you're not that guy anymore. Stop it. I don't call you that anymore. You know the beauty is? It's at a moment like this, we tend to think that God might like, change his mind. You know what I'm saying? It's at a moment like this, you can see God going, you know, I said you were going to be someone else, but now forget it. Deal's off. But this is a moment where God actually meets the guy who This deal you thought you were going to make with me? This is all about my faithfulness. I'm not changing now. I'm telling you, you are a new person. And you go, I don't look like a new person. I don't smell like a new person. God says, that's okay. You are a new person. No, don't leave that Jacob behind and let's start moving towards Israel, boy. Turn, turn to 37, verse 2, because this is where this whole thing... Now, that's our second our second session. Our first area, what's the most... You know, changing or shaping parts of mom's second one's Laban. Now things change radically. And this is such an interesting verse. And now this really gets us close to our text, which we're going to need to do. In chapter 37, verse 2, it says, this is the history of Jacob. What, 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 now? Now is the history of Jacob? What about all this stuff before this? Is this God actually going, well, so concludes the history of Jacob. Well, that's another terminology that's not used here. Interesting, for what it's worth, the word is Taladab. Can you say Taladab? is a word that literally means to descend or to leave. And listen to what God says. Now, now, after all that's going on in the house, after all that's going on with Laban, now, after all of that, now let's watch Jacob leave. And I think, wow. Well, what's the rest of the story? From that point to the end of the book of Genesis will be the story of Joseph. And what God is going to use more than anyone to remove the Jacob and put in in Israel, is a Joseph. Someone who is a God, who is a godly man, who is devoted and faithful, still human, who is going to suffer at the hands of his faithfulness, but in that, he's going to show forgiveness, he's going to show maturity, he's going to show commitment. And I pray for every one of you that God raises of Joseph. I also pray that every one of you, God, may the next Jacob. Does that make sense? No. Now listen. Um, Joseph's supposed to be dead. He's the son, by the way, and, and he, he's, he's supposed to be dead 37-34. Dad tears his clothes, by the way. Jacob tears his clothes. <laughs> he's convinced he's dead. In 42, 1, Jacob, Jacob again sees that there's a famine and he says, Boys, what are you doing? Get up and do something about it. Go to Egypt. There's food there. But in 42.4, Jacob doesn't send his son, Benjamin, because he doesn't want to let go of him. That's the, and what you find is one thing that typifies Jacob, please hear me on this, is fear. That's what typifies Jacob. Is that Jacob is so driven by fear, which, by the way, can be the opposite of faith, that he's always got to connive to figure out how to pat himself because he's so afraid of what could happen. Is that anything like you? Because we don't want to let people know we're afraid. We'll just connive around it. But don't you dare touch my son Benjamin. He's the only one left of my favorite wife. Joseph's dead, in my opinion. Let's just make sure. And that's what I kind of get here, is that this is Jacob living in this spirit. God does not want us in this. As a matter of fact, by 42.36, Jacob will say, you bereaved me of Joseph. Now you want to take Benjamin? No way! has any idea that Benjamin is going to have to get go with him, or they're going to start the death. So now all of the remaining sons go into Egypt. Dad is sitting there. And what we've watched over the following chapters from that point to here is what we've watched is we've watched that dad freak out and fret, and watched the police get reconciled to a son that dad thinks is dead. And as that restoration is happening... Dad, meanwhile, back in dad's camp, dad is living a very Jacob life. All of the boys are out of the house. You got that? All the boys. And he's thinking, what, what do you think? Oh, they're all going to die. And who cares? The problem is, I not know who's been. And Jacob, and as long as the boys have been gone, they've been living, he's been living a very Jacob life. And all he has is he's left alone again, but it seems like every time he gets left alone, God appears. Do you get that? Now walk quickly through this text, please with me. Verse 25, it says, Now the boys have this great news. They're going to go and get Dan and get him back to Egypt. Now by the way, I want you to notice, there are going to be four very distinct things about Jacob, and four very distinct things about Israel. I'll go through these quickly. They went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to Jacob their father. That tells us in the state that they showed up at Dad's house, he was being Jacob. And if you've ever had a dad that's kind of like this, you kind of know sometimes you show up at the house and you want to know whether it's a good dad or bad dad moment. You really, Because you know there's a very radically different way to approach either of them. And at that moment, it says, they went out of Egypt, they came there, and it says, they told him, it says, Joseph is alive, he's governor of the land of Egypt, notice the first thing about Jacob, verse 26, it says, his heart stood still, because he did not what? Believe. This is a classic Jacob thing. Jacob just doesn't believe. And that's, by the way, sometimes we can be so fearful, we won't even believe the good news. Might i just say, every Jacob, and every one of us, doesn't That's why Jacob doesn't have to be modified. That's why Jacob has to die. Do you get that? Your old you will never share. The old you will never, listen, your flesh nature, your old you will never, listen, listen, the old you, the old me will never submit to the Lordship of Jesus. The old you has to die. And this is the problem. When you say, I'll take Jesus as Savior, but just not as Lord. What you're saying is, I'll take Jesus for all of his benefits, but I won't let him say what it was. And Jesus says, you can't drag that guy into heaven. That guy's going to have to die. What well, was that in mind? That's the first. It says then, verse 27, They told him all of the things in which Joseph had said to them, but when he, noticed, what's the word? When he saw the carts which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of who? revived? Jacob. Jacob. What was the convinced dad? Seeing. And of course you're well aware of the fact that we walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5 7. Faith comes by hearing. Hope that is seen is not seen at all. Romans 10 17. But verse 28, notice it says, then Israel said. Funny, even in that moment, God was pulling Israel out of the jail he's saying, Listen, Joseph, my son, is alive. What do I do as the first thing about Israel? He believes. And Israel believes. Jacob will I will go and see him before I die. Which, interestingly enough, for what it's worth, um, he's going to live another 17 years. He's 130. He'll die in 147. Then, notice what happens next. And this is just a beautiful Israel woman. Verse, Chapter 46, verse 1." Israel took his journey with all that he had. What does that tell us? That Israel left for good. Please hear me on that. Why did he take all his stuff? Because Israel did not plan on going back. Jacob will leave with strings attached to where to go back to where he came from. It's the addict who still keeps an open tab at the bar. It says, well, I'm not going to drink again you've got to sever those ties home. And I know what it's like to walk into every liquor store in the little town we came from with people that says, look at you need to ban me from this liquor store from this point. Because I can't even come in here to buy anything alcoholic. Not even cost her. Jacob will keep ties to the world. Pharaoh will do the same thing when we get there in Exodus. Israel needs for good. By the way, I hope you know this. When we left America to come here to plant this, we didn't leave with the thought we'd ever return to America. Do you know that? We left to become Brits, as much as they'll let us. And then it says, and then he came to Be'er and offered sacrifices. The third thing I learned about Israel. Israel goes. By the way, why Beersheba? that was the place where dad Isaac left to be sacrificed, came back alive, told his son about how God will provide. But it's, it's as if what Jacob was doing, or I should say what Israel was doing, was going to say, this God of my father, I need to know him. He can't just be the God of my dad anymore. He needs to be more than that. And it's there that God's going to meet him and say, hey, I'm the God of your dad, but I want to be the God of you now. Now, that won't work for The God of Pastor Tony. He can't just be the God of those cool Christians around me. It's got to be yours. And he offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. Verse 2 it says, Then God spoke to Israel. And strange, it says in the visions of the night, and guess what he calls him? He doesn't call him Israel. Because still, amidst the it's still amidst the Israel, a Jacob dwells. And he says, Jacob, I want to talk to the guy that doesn't have faith. The one who fears. Jacob, Jacob. And he says, Here I am. He says, I'm the God who fears. God doesn't have to tell that to the Israel because Israel, well, he knows. He's watch by, by faith. But that part of me says, Can I just talk to the part of you that's still there? And he's looking, You to stop fear. Mm-hmm. Because why? Good Look at what it says. It says, Don't fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt and I will surely bring you up again. Isn't that the first time that God met Jacob? Isn't that what he said? Yes, I'll get you there and I'll get you back. And he goes, Didn't I do that? Listen, listen. To Jacob, he says, Didn't I do that? Didn't I get you out of there? Didn't I fulfill that promise? Well, then how much more will I fulfill the promise today? Right? Jacob? Right? So stop freaking out. Stop being so afraid. And then he says, And Joseph will put his hand on your eyes, and you go, Well, that's kind of a weird moment. He's going to go, Dad! It's like, remember, I remind you, Dad's been blind. Remember when he deceived his dad? He was blind then? What, so what difference is it going to make? Peek-a-boo, you still can't find it. Anyways, the, the idea is simple. When you die, you usually die with your eyes open. And the idea of it is that Jacob is going to be with you till you die. I'm uh, Joseph, I'm sorry. He's going to be with you till you die. He'll be the one closing your eyes when you die. In other words, he's saying to Jacob, to Jacob, who's Israel, this boy that you thought was dead that you think you're going to be able to go and be with, you will be with him for the rest of your life, which, by the way, will be 17 years. Jacob arose from Gushel. And the sons of Israel carried their father, Jacob. And here's another thing I learned about Jacob, is that Jacob will be carried. Jacob won't go on his own. Jacob will be carried to the place where God has one. Which, by the way, can I just say this? Love people enough to carry them to God's will. Everyone needs a cop carrier. The man who was paralyzed, perhaps you're familiar. Four guys go and they go, even up on a roof, dig a hole in the roof, even at their own expense to drop this boy in. Love someone enough to do that. Because there, there's sometimes as Christians we could look at a guy and he's just way too weak and go, come on, clean up your act. And so the guy's like, look it, if I could, I would. And it's like, well, then I'll just carry you. i so, love someone enough to do that. However, and I guarantee you, when you do, it'll be a Jacob. Jacob arose. He got carried with his little ones, their wives, and carts the Pharaoh sent away to carry him. They took the livestock and their goods, which they had acquired in the land of Canaan, and went to Egypt, Jacob and all his descendants with him. Here's the last thing I learned about Jacob. Is, notice here, Jacob still has descendants. You see, well, what about Israel's descendants? They'll be called the children of Israel. For what it's worth, and I, I hope you realize this, the in regards to uh, Jacob, he'll be mentioned 349 times in Scripture with the name Israel, 2,304 times. That tells you where this thing winds up. In this, though, the problem is, is that your kids are still going to, and your influences, whoever those people you have the privilege of influencing they're either going to be children of your Jacob, or children of yours, or your more. more than likely, they'll be children of both. Show them, Israel. Okay, so we get to this point now, where what happens is he's actually now getting it. But I'd like to close with two verses, if I could, to put some form of sense of understanding. I hope you've been tracking with me on this. Because prayerfully, for every one of us, me included, I want to hate the Jacob and love the Israel of God. Flip with me for a moment to chapter 49, verse 33. Our first part two verses. 49, 33. It says this. When Jacob had finished commanding his sons, he drew his feet up into the bed and breathed his last and was guided to his people. Now flip to chapter 50. Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father. The, physician, the, sorry, the physicians embalmed who? Israel. Israel. Okay, don't miss this. This is how it ends. You ready? The Bible shows us that there is a God who drives his feet up into his bed. By the way, he blesses on a crutch when he blesses his boys. Why does he bless on a crutch? Because that's where he became Israel. Remember that? That's the shrunken hip. People die with that shrunken hand. here's the thing: wait a minute. That guy, who dies in 49? Jacob dies. Draws up his feet, and God, this is the writer of the Bible, says, and Jacob died. Did you get that? Chapter 50, Joseph says, let's involve what happens when you involve someone, they remain. Who gets involved in chapter 50? Israel, And that's the way this ends. It ends with Jacob finally dying, done. Oh, but Israel remains. And there will be a day, if you've accepted the gift of Jesus Christ, Jacob will be done. Your Jacob will draw up his feet and breathe his last. And this world is the place where Jacob's end. But the place we stand before the living God will be the place where the Israel remains the one who is obedient, the one who walks in faith, the one who believes. You'll say, well, there are going to be more times when the name Jacob is going to be mentioned. Well, that's because he had kids that were raised under Jacob. That God will say, now that Jacob number one is passed out the scene and Israel remains, now let's deal with Jacob Jr. And that will be the next person. And you're a Jacob Jr. There's some other Jacob somewhere. The question is, are you an Israel? Listen, as we pray, Are you at today? If God were to look at your content, are you any percent Israel? First of all, have you accepted to get to Jesus? Remember, Jacob doesn't believe. Israel does. Jacob won't surrender, and when he does, he becomes Israel. That's where things change. Are you fighting God while what he wants to do is bless you? You're fighting God, and yet what he wants to do is bless you. But he has a right to kill you. Yeah, he does. He's ready right to kill every one of us. But he's a merciful God. If you have said yes to Jesus, do you feel like you're swagging more to Jacob, going back? Or is the Lord putting a Laban in your life to show you, as a warning, what happens if you want to go more Jacob? Or is he putting a Joseph in your life to show you what would happen if he became more Israel? Every person you meet will be one or the other some Sunday. And will say, note to self, that's a warning. Don't be like that. Or, ooh, that's good. Because the Lord would like to make every one of us more, even in this room today, he'd like us to lock out of here now well. And i love the privilege of praying for you. But I'd like you to pray with me. I don't want to just pray for you. I want you to pray with me. Does that make sense? Because if you pray with me, first of all, I want you to receive our terrible spouses, they make horrible friends, they make terrible children or parents, and they make horrible spouses. <laughs> what, if God, I mean, what if God did a Jacob-side in this room? Would that be alright with you? Slayed all the Jacobs. But the good news is, it isn't like, that. If, unless you, if you accepted Christ, that's not the only thing you are. That's just the part that needs be. you pray with me? God, I want to thank you so much for this beautiful text. I want to thank you, Lord, for the way that you've just expound to me. And whether anybody else gets this, I'm so thankful you talked to me about how imperative it is to leave the old guy behind. I don't want to look at the glory days of Jacob. At the good days of Jacob. I want to look at the future. As Paul would say, I leave what is behind and press forward to the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. God, that's what I want. I want to go and embrace the Israel you want to make me and gladly leave behind the Jacob I was. And then I don't have a problem seeing him as a rotten, miserable, bad guy. So Lord, please, for every one of us, myself included, would you please, 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 please. Lay the Jacob right now. Jesus, thank you for taking the punishment of a Jacob, of every Jacob, when you came to earth. Because we read that, Father, you made him who had no sin to be sin for us. That every Jacob could be, the sin and the filth of every Jacob could be laid upon this precious, only begotten Son of yours, Father. And that, Jesus, you would choose to die. So that I could become yours, but not that Jacob would become yours. That Jacob would die, so that I could become an Israel that would be yours. And show me again that the victory is in the surrender, not in the wrestling. I'm not going to fight you. I'd rather respond to your love. So I pray right now for every one of us, myself as we have already had the opportunity to accept the gift of you. We want to re-acknowledge that now, not because it re-saves us. We were saved the moment we first said yes, but because we want to just reconfirm in our hearts that we really, really are thankful that you are making us the Israel you intend. And Lord, I may not know your methodology well, I may not understand it well, but Lord, I know you will use whatever tools you want. You will use labans in my life, will use Joseph's in my life. And Lord, in that I just pray, I would be willing to receive whatever it is, whatever tool, whatever chisel, whatever polish. But Lord, in that I want to surrender to the movement of your Holy Spirit in my life so that it wouldn't be as painful. But I can be more expectant. And you've told us that hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for that which they see. So Lord, I don't know what you're making me. I do hope a I stand in the hope that it's good. I know that it's good. And I know that every day that I walk with you, you'll slay more of the Jacob and make more Israel out of me. And I'm thankful for that. But Lord, I recognize in the end, I am sure of this, that when this shell gets cashed in, it will be Jacob that's laid and buried. And I will stand before you with no Jacob left in me. Thank you for the promise that when I see you, I will become like you, for I will see you as you are. And I just pray right now for every believer in this room, myself included, that we would just be willing, Lord, to pray that prayer, Lord, that I gladly receive that whatever it is you want, make me the construction uh, site that you desire. Make me the masterpiece you intend. I pray you do it gently. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be a glutton for punishment, but I, w- I know you will never use excessive force. So, Lord, please, right now, and again, we confirm Jesus, your gift at the but also the new life you gave us at the empty tomb. And that new life is the life that you would desire for each of us to be. The Israel you intend. And I thank you for that. Finally, Lord, I just, I just know that you've clearly made promises to a nation you call Israel that are clearly people that you even reestablished in 1948. We openly confirm we are not the Israel that, in regards to that, those promises go to a specific group of people that are even in that country. But we recognize you still ordain for us to be light, the light, right now. Make us a light to this dark world around us. And as we shine as lights, the world's not darkening. So, with that word, use us, we pray. We are yours. Fashion us in whichever way you desire.